This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. And welcome back to some of the Cooler Jets podcast for us, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, week three, Jets are one and one, an absolutely massive game this weekend against a division rival, a team they haven't beaten in 14 straight games. I don't know about you. I know, you know, older Jets fans hate the Dolphins more than any other team in the AFC East. The Bills have come on strong the last few years as, as the team to beat in the AFC East, but there's nothing like beating the Pats, which I, I know they haven't done in seven years. That will always be the least favorite team for me in the AFCs. Do you feel the same way or, or if your rivalry's kind of shifted even though they're not the, the best team anymore? I think I agree with you just because, I mean, coming up in the era that we came up in, the Patriots were, even if they're not that team anymore, like we were just conditioned to always see them as that bar that you had to clear in the AFC East. And even in this stage, the Jets still haven't been able to clear it. So there is that hunger to just get over that hump. And, you know, Pats fans, I mean, all three AFC East fan bases outside the Jets are pretty annoying. But, I mean, Pats <laughs> yeah, how would you, fans how would you are, rank them? How would I don't you know. Rank they have an arrogance. I, we've, we talked about this recently. Like, I feel like. But all three games. Maybe but... Dolphins. I think Dolphins I'd maybe put number one just because they don't have much to brag about but they still kind of are just as arrogant at least the patriots have won so it's like they have something to actually brag about but at the same time like that new york boston thing and like they kind of are one of the few markets that kind of match that new york arrogance so i, I don't know but i would put the patriots up there and regardless when you lose 14 games in a row to a team you want to end that streak so uh, we don't play them until the last game of the season after this, so I'm I'm very hungry to get that win here and just put that streak behind us finally. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to you and I have both been to games with against all three of these teams, and I, I don't know, I, I don't know if anybody else has this luck. Maybe it's just because MetLife is so big and opposing fans typically go to the games. But every Jets game I go to, I'm always seated next to some obnoxious opposing fan who's either like right next to me or right behind me. The Bills game, Michael's there was particularly brutal we had this kid behind us who was <laughs> celebrating after rogers got injured and he was screaming like cook it or cook sauce and like he was just so obnoxious <laughs> to the point where like when Brees hall broke off that huge run i just turned around and looked at him and then i was like what am i doing like why am i staring down some 10 year old you just gave him a stare i know i know second longest run in franchise i know i didn't even cheer i wasn't even watching the game and i was like, like 12 years old <laughs> at one point you're like i think i want to beat him up i wouldn't i know i said i was gonna throw him to the lower bowl okay <laughs> but he was like screaming celebrating and rogers got hurt and was just like totally obnoxious and the dad wasn't helped whatever this is pats week what am i doing but the pats fans that i've been around have been worse 
That Bills that Bills kid is pretty close. Although I will say, when Gibson ran back that that punt, he started crying, and I, I felt bad. I was like, oh damn! <laughs> I just I shook his hand. I shook him in his death. Yeah, we made up by the end. But um, but the Pats fans I've sat around have always been obnoxious. And yeah, I guess like like you said, I think it's part of it's just because I've watched so many Super Bowls with the Pats in it and dealt with their fans and seen it on Twitter. I just hate. I grew up around Pats fans too. I just there's nothing like playing the Pats, and the Jets have not come through and, and beat this team. Since 2015, which is crazy, Michael, can you guess the the top the number one song when in America when the Jets last beat the Patriots? I just looked it up. Or to any of the top three songs? I, I, I nothing comes to mind. I mean, can we get any hints? I'm sure I would know them once you okay. give me the names, but um, I'm not super in tune with what's popular on the radio. Okay, that. But I would probably know. Okay, one song is by Drake. He is the third highest song. The second one is by uh, Justin Bieber. 2015? Yes. Man. It was a pretty popular video. And then the fir- the first song is by Adele. So if you can get any of those, I'll, I'll give it to you. Hello? Yes, hello is, is, hello is the yes. number one. There we go. <laughs> it was Hello by Adele. Sorry. That by, feels really old at this sorry point. Sorry wow, by Justin time. Bieber <laughs> and Hotline Bling by Drake. Those are the three songs. Oh, that's, I was... I thought about I thought that was 2016, but this is December, yeah, so I, I guess it it the other over. thing that was crazy because Michael and I were watching Pat's games or before this, and we saw Matthew Slater, and I was like, Jesus, I forgot Matthew Slater's still in the league, and then I was like, How long has that guy been in the league? Because he was the guy the last time the Jets beat the Pats who called had the whole moment with the the coin toss and the confusion around that, and at that point he was already like the Patriots bona fide special teams veteran, and then Michael and I were like. When the hell? And I was like 2011, maybe 2008 was when Matthew Slater was drafted. He would you say he was the sixth oldest player in the league? Yep, sixth oldest player right now. Zach Wilson was eight years old when Matthew Slater was drafted. Isn't that just bananas to think about? I don't know. We went down all these random Patriots facts in, in anticipation of this preview. Um, anyway, his glasses and his headshot. That's how you know he's yeah. old. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we'll do the Patriots preview, but I figure before we get into the Pats preview, uh, last thoughts on the Cowboys game after we've watched the All-22 for this one. Part, an ugly game. Don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, but I don't know if you have any other thoughts on our topics you want to go down before we hop into the Pats week. I mean, I guess, look, the main thing is Zach Wilson because we can all agree everyone outside of Zach uh, disappointed relative to their expectations. The offensive line speaks for itself. The defense speaks for itself. Everyone's got to be better, but I think the main story is Zach Wilson. And when we were watching it live, I think we all had this feeling of, you know, he kind of looks pretty good regardless of, you know, the way the game is going as a whole, regardless better. of what his stats are. You know, he, yeah, be- better is probably a, a more accurate word to use than good. Um, yeah, like you had that feeling watching the games, and I think rewatching it on film and it confirmed that because I didn't really see throws that were missed um, in terms of you know players being open that he wasn't finding, uh, and then just his accuracy in general. Going back to the preseason and through the Bills game and now into this game, we're not seeing as many of those missed layups. I think his placement is a lot better. We're seeing more like perfect throws from him. I'm not saying all of them are perfect, but. Like even some of his completions in previous years, not always ideal, but in this game you get throws like the touchdown to Garrett Wilson is just perfectly in time and place for him to run through that in stride. The sideline ball to Lazard, that was like classic BYU Zach Wilson. 
Um, a lot of throws like that throughout this game. Yeah, nice back where, shoulder to Garrett too. Yeah, the back shoulder to Garrett just just really nicely placed balls. You're you're not like you can maybe nitpick them a little bit, um, but for the most part, it's like the accuracy is starting to look a lot more stable and consistent. So I think that's a takeaway. But yeah, for the most part, I think it, it really looked like a performance where you know you look at the process regardless of what the final results were, and and you could see tangible improvement that he's trending in the right direction. So at some point you got to see the results. Um, you can't justify that level of production forever, but uh, the way he played in this game makes me hopeful that, you know, once things normalize and he gets decent protection, decent field position, game script, all that stuff, he is going to be able to put up better numbers and be closer to that. You know, like we've thrown out the range of like 20 to 24th ranked starting quarterback. If he could be that, the Jets can flip the playoff spot. The bar is low, but when you consider the record he had with them last year, playing like the probably the worst starter, if he can go up eight to twelve spots, which is what we're saying, that's a pretty big leap. And with the talent on the rest of this team, you know, granted they play better than they did in this game, uh, they they could win nine games or so. I think so. And and the way he's played these first two games, I'm cautiously optimistic that he can get there. Yeah, like you said, you can't justify the the bad box score stats forever, but anybody who's watched every play that he's had in his entire career can see a noticeable difference. You know, you want to see it throughout the season and for long stretches because we've seen Zach Wilson have some good games and then fall apart the the following week. Um, So that's going to be the the real key, especially going up against the Patriots, a team he's really struggled against. Supposedly there's going to be some bad weather. We'll see exactly how bad the wind and the rain is potentially it passes and this is a non-story but that's another thing that he's really struggled with you know last year against that Patriots game he really struggled with the wind I think a lot of that comes from his mechanics and the fact that he was throwing a lot with his arm and not driving the ball with his legs and I think you could see even on Sunday and going back to Monday as well his footwork does look improved uh his mechanics looked improved he's playing within the timing of the offense he's stepping up in the pocket his ball placement's a lot better you know, he still has the, – the throw that's the most concerning was actually his last throw, the, the one to Carter, because that's just – that's the classic Zach Wilson that we've seen, just like sloppy mechanics right over the head of, of Michael Carter and right at the hands of, of a defender for a boneheaded turnover. We've seen that a lot throughout his first two years. That's the only play that he's had – yeah, I guess his first pick against the Bills was pretty rough too, but at least it wasn't like a blatant overthrow like that was. That was just an example of him not seeing a linebacker, which – also is concerning, but that last throw against the Cowboys, let's hope that, you know, it's a we don't see that as, as often as, as we did last year, especially against a team like the Patriots where they just capitalize on all your mistakes. Um, but like you said, yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot to be encouraged by, but um, we just want to see that consistency. And I felt like this was a really big game for him, kind of to exercise that demon uh, against the Pats. But now after seeing the, the, the weather reports, I'm kind of like, okay, maybe this is more the Brees Hall, ABT, Becton, Jeremy Ruckert game than the Zach Wilson game. Because, you know, I know we, we have a few more things we want to talk about before we get into the preview. But I kind of feel like the Jets could could have won that game last year against the Pats, the exceptionally ugly game against the Pats last year. It was 3-3 three to three the entire game. If they had Brees Hall and if they had ABT and Mekhi Becton and the, the way Jeremy Ruckert's been playing – um, if they can run the football, they can survive some of these Zach Wilson mistakes, especially against worse teams. The Patriots are not nearly as good as the Cowboys. In fact, I think the Cowboys are probably the best defense they're going to see all year. The, the Eagles might have something to say about that, and and we'll see. But 
you know, Micah Parsons was just destroying that game. And I think that's the other thing, you know, yeah, maybe the box score stats don't look great for Zach Wilson. Um, but when you, when you consider the fact that what he was doing in, in that situation with Micah Parsons getting to, to him in two seconds or less, rookie year Zach Wilson, 2022 Zach Wilson implodes a lot earlier. I know he threw some picks in the fourth quarter. There's some stuff to, to clean up. He wasn't perfect. But I am cautiously optimistic about some of the strides we've been seeing. But again, you know, it's these next two, three weeks are all up until the buy is really when you can kind of get a nice enough sample size of Zach Wilson. I know there's there's some tough teams, but this Patriots defense isn't as good as it used to be. You know, the Chiefs defense, Chiefs are a great team. Chiefs defense has some players, but you know, if you're expected to do anything this season, you are kind of hoping that he can at least put up some competent level quarterback play. So it's all these games up until the bye, and that's really when you would consider making a switch. Um, so I, I would say first game for Zach Wilson starting. Uh, I think you are cautiously optimistic about about it. Um, the other thing that we didn't really talk about a lot in the, the post game pod, but was a big storyline heading into the game, and it's been kind of a talking point this this week has been. Will McDonald being inactive for that Cowboys game, which I don't think is an indictment on on him as a player. I think it's more, hey, this this Jets defense is so deep at defensive line. You got to have five inactive somewhere, and it's a numbers game. He's a rookie. They did this with Bryce Huff. This won't be an issue down the line when when injuries hit, when more injuries hit. Um, but what do you kind of make of of Will McDonald being inactive? Some of the discourse about him as a, as a draft pick, and maybe the Jets should have gone elsewhere. And, you know, whether or not the Jets should really find a way to, to make him active this week since their pass rush struggled. Yeah, I, I think they definitely do need to try to find a way to get him in there because what we learned this week against the Cowboys is that the Jets pass rush, while still great, I don't think you write it off after one game. It's not as untouchable as I think we believed it could be and the Jets themselves believed it could be. Because one game. This was in, in the, in one game, but, you know, it's a Cowboys offensive line that had Chuma Idoga out there. Um, you know, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, some of these guys were banged up. And it's it's a good offensive line, but it's not the Eagles. It's not the Niners. It's one that an elite pass rush should have been able to have a good game against. But they were pretty much silenced for most of the game. So I think we saw that the Jets can't afford to have a guy like McDonald on the inactive list and – think that their pass rush is guaranteed to be fine every week. I, th- I still think, you know, even without him, great pass rush. Most games, they're going to be fine, especially this week against New England. This offensive line is not the Patriots offensive line we're used to seeing. They've lost some guys. They've had some injuries, and it's, it's struggled the past couple of weeks. So I think they'll have a good game this week, regardless of whether or not McDonald plays. But, um, but yeah, the Cowboys game showed that, you know, the Jets can still use as much pass rush juice on the roster as they can get. And the biggest issue, I think, was Carl Lawson in his first game back, which is, you know, he's the reason McDonald didn't play. He looked really rusty. Um, He had 13 pass rush snaps, zero pressures, zero pass rush wins. And you look at his reps, he wasn't even getting close. And he was playing against Tyron Smith. But this, this is an older Tyron Smith. And, you know, it's not really an excuse for how quiet that he was because you know we we know he's been he's been dealing with that back injury we all saw the video of him running in practice like a month ago where he could barely even bend his back he's just completely upright and he did not look healthy in this game like there wasn't a lot of power when he was engaging on his bull rush he and you know we were hopeful that with another year out out of the achilles like there'd be more speed and twitch to his game 
didn't really see any of that. He was still kind of just straight up bull rushing every rep. And it, his explosiveness wasn't as good. He had the lowest pass rush get off time of his entire Jets career of any game, averaging a full second uh, in terms of his average get off time. So that's a really concerning sign that this was his worst, you know, in, in ter- worst game in terms of explosiveness as a Jet. That definitely shows that there's some credence to that. What you, maybe he's not fully healthy. What would you right do? Now. What would you do with him? Do you do you make him inactive? Do you just squeeze McDonald on there and have both him and Lawson active? You know, it's another run-heavy team, so I'd imagine that, you know, the, part of the reason they had McDonald act, inactive w- in favor of Lawson was because they wanted to get beefier against the run. Um, what do you think they do with Lawson? I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to write him off after one game, especially you know coming off the injury, and, and we were all hopeful about what he would do this year. So I don't want to write him off after one game unless the Jets know, hey, he's not fully healthy. Maybe we rushed him back. Let's give him a little bit more time unless they know that from what they see and they want to be honest with, with themselves about that. I would keep him out there and give him some more opportunities, but I think you can still find a way to squeeze McDonald in there with Lawson still getting his chances. And And I don't think, to be honest, I don't think Lawson is a guy where you get those snaps because Lawson, he didn't really play a lot in this game. He only played 26% of the snaps, but the guy I think you can take some snaps from, to be honest, I think Jermaine Johnson is where you get some of those snaps because he's playing a lot right now. And we all want him to play more snaps, but he's played about 70% of the snaps the first two games, which is more than double the 34% he played last year. And and look, he's been very good against the run, very good hustle plays, but as a pass rusher, he's still not quite there yet. His pressure rates and his pass rush win rates, all the consistency stuff is still pretty low among all edge rushers in the league. So he's not really winning a lot. And I, I think you could take some of those reps for now and give them, especially in past situations, because he's played a lot of third downs, Johnson. Uh, he's been, you know, you know, with Lawson missing the first game, not playing a lot in the second game. We've seen a lot of JJ on third down. I think you can give some of those to McDonald. Right. Um, because right now I don't like, we're all very optimistic about him and the strides he made this offseason. He can get there. But at this moment, I'd I'd rather see Will McDonald on third down than Jermaine Johnson. So I think there's some reps to be given to McDonald there. Obviously, then the question is, who do you make an active if you got? Right. What, would it be 10 or 11, 10 defensive linemen now, right? Right. If you throw McDonald in there? Yes. So how would you handle that? That's really tough because let's just assume you know there, there are injuries and guys get elevated from the practice squad, which kind of muddies things. But I think the the ones that are obvious: Jason Brownlee, Abanacanda, Max Mitchell. And you have two spots here. They've been uh, Zaire Barnes has been one of them, but then they've been bringing up Aguavin and having five linebackers. I think you could make Zaire Barnes inactive and have four linebackers with Surratt as as the other one. And you could do Bryce Hall. You know, this week, though, if Tony Adams doesn't play, he could be an inactive. Just for, for yeah. you know, for this week, that gives that's you true. But then, but then it's possible they they could elevate like Trey Dean. You know, right. that's where it kind of gets muddy. But like, just assuming everybody's healthy and ignoring practice squad, I'd probably go. I'd probably do that: Bryce Hall, Zaire Barnes, Max Mitchell, uh, Abanacanda, and Brownlee. That's probably what I would do. But you know, you get a little light at linebacker and. But I think it's worth it to have your first round draft pick out there. What do you kind of make of the discourse about? Because I've seen a lot of it, and I think we just kind of live in the, um, you know, 
people want results quickly. And I, you know, this was supposed to be a win now year. So there is a discussion about it, but people are kind of already writing this off as a, as a miss by JD. I've seen that on Twitter a ton this week, a swing and a miss, a bad pick should have gone with one of these receivers, you know, cursing Belichick for jumping him on Broderick Jones. And it's like, I think it's way too early to make any of those declarations. It's possible we look back and say, Hey, maybe they should allocated their resources else elsewhere. But you know, if this guy, you saw what Micah Parsons just did to the Jets, you know, an elite pass rusher is a game wrecker. And we don't know what Will McDonald will be, but he certainly has the traits in the ceiling of somebody who could turn into, you know, one of the best, you know, a 10 sack guy. And I, I still believe that he's a 10 sack guy. I don't think he's done anything uh, that would dispute that. In fact, I, I saw stuff in preseason that really confirmed that, that evaluation after watching him at Iowa State. So, I feel I still feel good about this pick. You know, I think in terms of the 2023 Jets, could they have gone with the Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigbo or Isaiah Flowers? Maybe, but I still think they took the best guy on their board at a premium position and a position that makes the whole team run. I mean, the, the, the core of this defense is being able to win with four, and you're looking at next year, which is still a win now year. In fact, more of a win now year because you have Aaron Rodgers back and Carl Lawson won't be back more than likely Bryce Huff won't be back uh, just because I think he's going to get offered more than the Jets will be able to pay on the open market. So you're going to need this guy next year. So what do you kind of make of that that discourse discourse we've seen this week about, hey, the Jets should have gone with something that could have helped their team right now? Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Like it's really short-sighted. I mean, first-round picks are four- to five-year investments. It's not about the first two games after they (laughs) get drafted or even the first whole season after they get drafted because – like the makeup of your team is supposed to be your high draft picks in their prime, like in third, fourth, fifth year. So you don't draft guys for this year. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky like last year and you get instant studs like Sauce and Garrett Wilson and Brees, who can be the core of your team immediately. But that's the exception for the most part. Your draft picks this year are supposed to be the core down the line. And it's supposed to be a cycle like that. And, and like you said, like we're one year away from clearly McDonald having a prime role on this team when Carl Lawson is gone. Um, Bryce Huff could be gone. Uh, and like you said, it's going to be a very competitive year next year as well. And he should be in that mix. And and I think this year, sooner rather than right. later, McDonald's going to be a key player. The way that Lawson looked in that first game. And again, give him time. I don't want to judge him off one game, but it wasn't promising. Uh, and then JJ, the early pass rush progress, not as great as I think the team hoped well, or we right. hoped. So, a little early. I, he's two pretty games, good. Two games. It's, it's I think it's he's great against the run, and he's really good at those stunts too. Yeah. I think he's just playing right. a lot. I do think you're going to see Jay. He was one sack in two games. I get what you're saying. He's not maybe – I think McDonald has the ceiling of a guy who can be an elite pass rusher, one of those guys that's up there with, right. with the TJ Watts and the Micah Parsons. I really do. Jermaine Johnson to me has been kind of the um, – the other side of the defensive line, the guy who's really going to be solid against the run, can create a lot of pressures. You know, we've seen his his pass rushing chops. I mean, that one rep he had, I know it's preseason against backup tackles, but whatever. That one pass rush rep he had against Carolina with that spin, spin move into a bull rush. I mean, the guy clearly has an arsenal here, but McDonald just has kind of the bend and the, the physical traits that are really rare. And I think everything you're saying lines up. I know that you don't want to write Lawson off too much after one game, but – the Jets need to be able to win with four, and it kind of felt like every time he was out there, the Jets were rushing three. You know, that's not the and he's never really been much of a finisher, but he's always been a guy who can push the pocket and create pressures and be strong against the run. I didn't feel like he was bringing really any of that. 
you know, I also feel right, like, yeah. So, so go ahead, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, I think at some point this season, and it could be starting this week, you know, we're going to see McDonald make that impact. So, do you think he plays? Yeah, I think, I think he plays. This, I'm going to say, I think he plays. I think he gets out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think they're, you know, it, it's been tough to be, to see that so far, your first round pick not playing as your team loses the game and you're like, you're hoping to compete, but I, I think it will come this season where he's involved in that rotation and making plays. And then down the line next year and going forward, it's a pick that we'll be happy with. Yeah. Let him, let him play one get like three weeks from now against Denver or whatever. And he bats a ball at the line of scrimmage and picks it off, or he has a, a strip sack or makes just some big play. All these people who are kind of tweeting, like what a miss by Joe Douglas. I've seen some beat reporters doing the same thing about how the jets, shouldn't have allocated their resources like this. It's like, just roll my eyes. I think people just have a going back. I mean, we said this all throughout draft process. Like people look at the draft as like a, a shopping list for, for needs and teams who look at it like that are the teams that draft busts. And, you know, you could say some stuff about Joe Douglas, criticize how he's handled the offensive line. Didn't do too well on, on the Zach Wilson pick, but I would say he's clearly had an upgraded draft process. I mean, that 2022 class has a chance, not even in jets history. And it's early. I know but could quite honestly go down as one of the best draft classes of all time. When you look at just the the fact that he got what, four or five starters from that draft class, I mean, the, the way Jeremy Rucker is looking as well is Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, Jermaine Johnson, and Jeremy Rucker all look like studs right now. And you have Clemens and, and Mitchell, certainly one of the best draft classes in Jets history. I think this guy has, has proven that he deserves, you know, some leeway here. And I, I think also that draft, you know, maybe didn't necessarily go the, the, the board didn't necessarily fall the way the Jets were expecting it to, but they took the best guy on their board at a premium position. It's week two, and we were all excited about him during preseason. So I think I think patience is definitely needed there. I think the other draft pick, Joe Titman, also has a case to be in the lineup pretty soon, considering how the offensive line is playing. And look, I, I know offensive lines need time to gel. If you look around the league, a lot of offensive lines are, are struggling. It does take some time. But at the end of the day, you did – Part of the reason you, tr- you traded away Elijah Moore in a third-round pick to get a second-round pick because you knew you were going to have to trade a second-round pick for Rodgers and you wanted one of these interior offensive line, uh, one of these interior offensive linemen, which, again, I think was smart by Joe Douglas to realize that, hey, we need to keep investing in this offensive line, not just for this year, but in 2024 and beyond. And Tittman's a guy who had a really good preseason. You know, I think he struggled a little bit with, with snapping the ball. But outside of that, I mean, I think he – you dominated most of his reps, especially at center. And then you have a guy on McGovern who you're paying just barely over a million dollars to. And I know he's the veteran center and Rodgers preferred him, but Rodgers is down now. You got a, a young quarterback in there. Maybe it's helpful to have uh, to, to have a, a veteran center out there, but they got to find a way to get Tittman out there sooner rather than later. It's either Tittman replacing McGovern, Tittman replacing Lakin, Becton replacing Dwayne Brown and AVT sliding out to tackle and, and Tittman sliding in there. But by the by, I'd like to see Tittman in this offensive line and, and potentially sooner than that. I know it all it takes is one injury for him to be out there, but I do think he's one of their best five offensive linemen. Yeah, I agree. And I think the rope starts with Dwayne Brown. Like, who is the shortest rope? It's probably him. And you know, maybe he doesn't even play this week because apparently he is dealing with shoulder and hip injuries. So um, uh, what what unit would you go with? Once Dwayne Brown, like let's say Dwayne Brown misses this game, or you bench him, would you go with? I, like I, I proposed, AVT a left tackle, K 
keeping Becton at right, putting Tittman at right guard. Yeah. You said that was not the path he would go. Maybe put Becton left tackle. So what would you do? Do you think there's an argument to be made here that AVT, it's early, but I think he's a little rusty to start. You know, he is coming off the torn triceps. Yes. Maybe he doesn't have the same um, strength and he's just kind of getting it back. And we'll see. I'm not going to – I'm confident that AVT is going to get it together. But do you think there's any argument to be made that AVT might be better at tackle than at guard? Uh, well, with the way he's played these first two games, not to say he's been terrible. And more specifically, the second game. First game, I think he was pretty good. Um, but yeah, second game against Dallas, probably the worst game that he's, uh, I'll rule out the rookie year cause he had some rough games, but definitely much worse than anything he showed last year. I mean, he had a lot of big losses in this game from the, uh, potential touchdown to Wilson at the end of the second half or first second quarter. Yeah. Uh, he got beat on a quarterback sneak. Uh, there was, he gave up a sack in this game, multiple other big pressures. So a lot of, a lot of key plays in this game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the pass protection at guard is what's concerning me because, like, he did give up pretty decent pressure numbers last year and in his rookie year, and so far this year he is again. I don't doubt the run blocking is elite, probably top five at guard when he's healthy and consistently playing. Uh, we didn't get to see that in the Cowboys game because they barely ran the ball, and when they did, they didn't go right for some reason. But uh, So I don't doubt the run blocking at all, but pass protection at guard? I think there's room for more consistency uh, and at tackle. Maybe he's better because he has that athleticism to be able to match some of the speedy guys you see out there. Whereas on the interior, I think there are a lot of times where those bigger defensive tackles can get their hands on him and be able to establish their moves because he does struggle with that arm length. Yeah. And you know, that could hurt you on the edge too, which is why, you know, he was projected to switch to guard. But I think, we saw in the games he played a tackle, he can make up for that with his quickness and his athleticism, which a lot of tackles in the league don't have to the level that he does. So I think there's potential for that. I want to give him some more time at guard, but if Dwayne Brown is going to leave the lineup, I'm putting AVT out of tackle. Either side, I can see the argument for Becton at left or AVT, but I'm putting him out of tackle way before I put out, you know, Max Mitchell or Billy Turner. And then, go ahead and get Tippman out there at guard, which, you know, Tippman was shaky when he played at guard, that small stretch in the preseason. But I think, you know, he, he played so well overall and because of his snapping issues at center until that's solved, you know, at guard, you can mitigate that, not have to worry about it. And he also, as a rookie, doesn't have to deal with all the mental aspects of center. So I could see guard working out for him. Although even with McGovern at center, who's a veteran, it's not like all the communication is yeah. going too great with him there anyway. So, you know, I'm and not also, sure and how much worse that could be. And the Jets won't do this because Lakin Tomlinson's getting paid $17 million. I bet you Wes Schweitzer is an upgrade over, over Lakin Tomlinson. If we're really building the best five, yeah, here, the way he's playing right now, for sure. If we're building the best yeah. five here. Like, you know, okay, I'll go with you on the AVT at left tackle because I guess you're right. He did play it in college. He looked pretty good against Pittsburgh. Whatever. Back to an AVT at both your tackle spots. Doesn't matter. But if you went left guard, Schweitzer. Center McGovern, right guard Tipman, or switch them, switch the guards, whatever. I think that's probably your best five. Um, getting getting Lakin and getting Dwayne Brown out of there. I think that's probably your your upgraded five. But those are two veterans. Lakin's getting. I think isn't Lakin the second highest paid player on the team, which is just ridiculous. I believe so he's up there. So yeah, I mean, I, but, but I agree with you. Yeah, like best, like unrealistic, not happening. But best offensive line right now. Like if tomorrow they're playing 
the Jets have to face a- face aliens to save the world, I would go with AVT left tackle, Schweitzer left guard. I'd say Tipman center. I'm maybe more confident than him in him than McGovern right now. McGovern right guard though, because I still think he's better than Lakin. Yeah, in terms of you know, if you put him at guard, right. you could take advantage of the athleticism and remove all of his issues with communication and stunts at center. And then obviously Becton right tackle because Lakin just is he's not playing like one of the five best linemen right now. No. With the way he just can't pick up stunts, the way in on in space on screens, which you know, this team likes to run screens in this offense, and then when he's out in space, he's just jogging around and has no mobility. Um, screen passes, just letting guys in for easy hits, which obviously you let people in on screens, but there was one play in this game where he just, you know, it, it was a screen. He had an opportunity to jump set the guy and, you know, just jab him with your hands. Don't let him hit the quarterback because he's throwing a quick screen to Garrett, but he just opens his hips inside immediately. Like he's playing a patient pass set and just lets him hit Zach Wilson immediately. So yeah, I mean, they can struggle. Lakin's a guy who I, I always forget. Like he was a first round pick with the Lions, was not good. Goes to the, the Niners, plays a, plays next to the best left tackle in all of football, and then gets a big contract. And it, he just seems like he's checked out a little bit. Yeah, he's not beating the Trent Williams merchant allegations. <laughs> now we'll see. We'll see. He hasn't had the best left tackles next to him, um, which should be a qualifier for getting paid seventeen million dollars. But I do think. The Jets will stick with the, the starting five for now. I think part of offensive line takes time to gel. I think Dwayne Brown is better than what he showed. He's had, you know, I actually feel like he kind of got it together against the Bills a little bit, and then he went up against arguably the best pass rusher in all of football. Jets needed to do a better job of helping him with Rucker. I mean, Rucker should have been next to Dwayne Brown every single play on, on Sunday and just been chipping Micah Parsons. And I know they're moving around. They had him lining up over, over McGovern as well. But the one – downside to Dwayne Brown I feel like I feel like he still has power he still has some drive good anchor but like he does not have quick feet he's not he's not mobile at, at 38 or 39 years old whatever he is nowadays so um, we'll see how the offensive line performs particularly in the run game I think that's going to be really big um, this Sunday in the rain they need to get going on the ground against this Pats team if they want to have any success um, and then you know check back in I guess in a couple weeks against the Eagles that'll be the next dominant defensive line that they face. Um, but yeah, not not good from from week two. I guess the last thing before we get into the pass preview, Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Um, now we've had two games to kind of look at it. The first game was weird because clearly the game plan was built around Rodgers and then they had to throw Wilson in there. But this is the first game we got to see the game plan with Zach Wilson at QB. A lot of concern about uh, Brees Hall only getting four carries. Some of the... You know, the, the fact that they just have been bet terrible on third down. What do you kind of make of, of Hackett as an OC? Well, I think we definitely should give him some time in terms of trying to figure out the offensive identity just because, you know, nobody anticipated the starting quarterback switch that quickly. And I'm sure they're trying to mold a lot of it to Zach Wilson away from Aaron Rodgers. Just, just try to figure out what works best for him, what doesn't. So I'm willing to get, give him some time on that front, but I still think there are a lot of personnel things that can be done to just make the team objectively better just by giving snaps to people who deserve it and taking them from people who don't. We've talked about CJ Uzama enough. He could start there and giving some snaps to Ruckert, but McCole Hardman playing zero snaps, that doesn't make any sense. Obviously, I've been 
more critical of Hardman than others, probably, but I never thought he should play zero snaps. He definitely yeah. has a role to play in the offense. And like he can help in so many ways. It's not just about giving him the football. It's also about what it can do for your run game to have a motion threat who makes the linebackers move, who spreads out the defense. Uh, that's how you create natural running lanes. But right now I feel like the Jets are so condensed. Like They're playing a lot of multi-tight ends. They have a fullback. And there is not a lot of pre-snap motion. So on top of teams stacking the box against them, you're also clogging the box because there's just not enough going on to get guys out of there. And McCall Hardman can help with that. So I would like to see more of him. And you brought this up. Let's see some Xavier Gibson yes. as well. Because like we, we're wasting reps with CJ Uzama on the slot and outside and Randall Cobb's getting reps and doing anything with them. Let's get Gibson out there. He's a guy who could make plays with the ball in his hands and spark this offense. Yeah. And like, I trust his route running. Like, like I want McCall Hardman out there, like I said, but if we want someone to get out there in the slot and win on a slant or, uh, you know, make a key play in that type of situation, I might take him over McCall Hardman yeah. because route running has never been Hardman's thing. But you look at Gibson and the way he played in the preseason, even just his routes, like you saw potential that he can be that type yes. of slot guy. There's there's three reasons why Gibson makes a ton of sense. The first of which is he built all offseason chemistry with Zach Wilson. He became Zach Wilson. Him and Bradley right, became Zach point. Wilson's go-to guys during training camp. And you definitely saw it in the preseason. Zach Wilson liked going to Gibson. In this offense without Aaron Rodgers, I think there are two big things. One, defenses with Zach Wilson at QB are loading the box, going man coverage, which I actually think Zach Wilson's actually a little bit better against man coverage. But regardless, when defenses like the Cowboys go heavy man coverage, you'll see it again this weekend against, against the Pats, load the box, one-on-ones, Garrett Wilson is really the only guy I have any faith can win those one-on-ones consistently. Because the way I kind of look at it is like man coverage puts the pressure on your receivers to get open and it puts pressure on your quarterback to throw a good ball, you know, especially if the coverage is tight. And then zone coverage puts most of the pressure on your quarterback's mental and his, his ability to diagnose what zone he's seeing. You know, the receivers have to pick and choose their spots and when to sit down in zone, but it's not as much about the receivers getting open. It's more about the quarterback knowing what he's seeing and knowing where he's supposed to go with the ball. But man coverage, you need to have receivers who, who can get open and create um, separation before pass rushers get home. And Garrett Wilson's the only guy I have any faith can consistently do that. Um, you know, Lazard, Conklin, the running backs, you know, they can get open. But I think Xavier Gibson, to me, strikes me as somebody who I think can be, win those one-on-ones. I mean, you had that one-play circle where where Uzama was in the slot. And he was running an out route. I think it was third down, and Zach Wilson just – might have been first, whatever. But Zach Wilson gets sacked, and he's looking for Uzama. He wants to throw it, but there's no separation. I have no doubt in my mind that Xavier Gibson's getting open on that little quick out route. Right. Like he has the jitteriness and the, and the quickness and that start-stop ability to get open. You know, He might need to refine some things in terms of his route running, but he has the speed to, to create that separation. Zach trusts him. And the other thing is, in this offense, because we don't have that elite quarterback and Zach Wilson's going to have to dump it down and, and play – you know, uh, simpler football. You need guys who can create after the catch. And Gibson, as much as anybody in this team has proven he can do that, not just with his punt return against the, the the Bills, but you look at that Giants preseason game, how many catches did he have short of the sticks that he turned into a first down? So this is a guy who Zach has trust with, has the ability to win on uh, in man-to-man situations and can create after the catch. I definitely want to see him out there, more so than Hardman, actually, um, although I do agree with you with Hardman. And it's kind of the thing with, with Hackett, which I do think we'll see more of, but I don't think we've seen enough of that pre-snap motion that that 
horizontal east-west movement, you know, jet sweeps, stuff like that. We've seen a little bit of it. Like I, I think the the Dalvin Cook fumble, they had Garrett Wilson come into motion and they faked it to him and pitched it to, Will, to Cook. We've seen a little bit of it, and the Jets haven't run that many plays, and it's early in the season, so I'm not going to go too critical here. But I do think, you know, we were watching the the Jets or the the Pats Dolphins film, and not that anybody's expecting Hackett and Zach Wilson to look like Mike McDaniel and Tua, but they look like they're just so creative every single play. They're just scheming guys open constantly, and it doesn't you don't really see that so far. The one thing I will give credit to, to Hackett is I think he's made things a lot easier for Zach Wilson. I was looking at a lot of those route concepts. And very simple, you know, either mirroring or, or flood concepts. There's always a check down. When we were watching the Zach Wilson against the Pats last year, you see a lot of right route concepts that LaFleur had that were just like overly complicated or didn't make too much sense. And it's not Madden. You can't like hold the trigger at the line and see what all the routes are. This is a guy who has to hold it all in his head. And I think Hackett did a good job of kind of making things simple, especially when they got in their two-minute um, you know, it can make it easier for the defense to key in on. But I think Zach Wilson is one of those guys that has all the talent and the mobility and the arm talent to that. You know, if you can just give him a kind of a simpler offense to run, I think you're the less he's thinking, the better he's going to be. So I do think Hackett deserves some credit for that. And we'll see if they can get more plays with this offense will fully look like. And they've had another week to really game plan with Zach Wilson and, and build his confidence. But Brees Hall only having four carries is inexcusable. I know he's on a snap count. I know they got down early, but. I don't care. He's your second best player on offense. He needs the ball at least 10 times, if not 20. So I think that's something you'll definitely see change on Sunday. Yeah. In, in terms of that, I mean, for me, the biggest thing is more how they spread the snaps around the running backs, because like I, I do get the game script kind of took them away from the run. They're down the entire game. They didn't possess the ball a lot, whatever, all that stuff. So I get the four carries number, but it's more so the fact that he played the same number of snaps as Michael Carter, and he played one fewer than Dalvin Cook. And I get that they're trying to work him back slowly. Like I totally understand, but uh, he didn't play a higher percentage than the first game, despite the fact that you know he came back and he looked strong. He should have been ramped up. And they also the fact that they got the ball less meant that they ran fewer plays, so he should have been playing higher percentage of snaps because it's not like there were a ton of plays to wear him out. But uh, instead he plays 17 snaps in the first game, 31%, 16 in the second game, 34%. So basically the same number of snaps and the same percentage, despite going 10 carries for 127 and a 20 yard catch in the first game. So like they know more than we do in terms of the medicals and like, what the trajectory should be in terms of ramping him up. So like, I trust them on that, but at the same time, you're trying to win games here. And this guy's so far and away, not only your best running back, but like you said, second best playmaker on the team. And if you're serious about winning games, I think you got to just trust that he's going to be ready to get an uptick in snaps. That's not to say give him 20 carries this game, but he should be getting more than Dalvin cook at this point. I think that's fair to say. All right, let's get to the Pats preview. Uh, even though we've kind of already been talking about it. We were talking before the podcast about this in terms of this game feels huge. And I guess like every game does like we, our, our podcast for the, uh, for the last Pats game that they had or ugly game. They lost in the punt return. I think it wasn't the title like um, 
most important the shit. biggest Jets game since 2015. Yeah. And like, I think every week it kind of feels like that. Like you just kind of live very much in the present, especially when you, the Jets are, have been better. These that's last that's two football. Years. That's the NFL. That's, that's why it's fun. And then, I mean, it, it wasn't totally hyperbolic. There, there's, we haven't used that word in a while, but uh, gotta bring it, back. it wasn't totally hyperbolic because if they won, they'd be in first place in the division. So yeah. And in the, hindsight, it seems cost silly, them but. a playoff spot too. looking back probably. Right. Um, but yeah, like, and then you think about like, okay, what was week three last year? They played the Bengals and they lost. And then you think about the time from that until, and they got Zach back, and then they went on that run with Brees Hall, and then Brees gets hurt, and then they they have the ugly Pats game, then the 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 Bills win, and they go into the bye, they have the other ugly Pats game, then Mike White wins in the rain, and then like the time between week three against the Bengals to Mike White playing the Vikings and Braxton Berrios dropping the it's just like that felt like. Four seasons right there. So it feels like it's life or death right now this Sunday. And I think part of it is just because people just want some sliver of hope to grab onto with Zach Wilson, to see him kind of exercise these demons against the Patriots, to beat the Patriots for the first time in seven years, to get to 2-1, and 2-0 and in the division, and then head into Sunday night football against the Chiefs, feeling good about things. But it, it is kind of funny when I was just like, you know, they could win this game and people would be like, all right, we're back, baby. This Jets defense is ready to roll. And then they get blown out on Sunday night football against the Chiefs. And yeah, I know it's the Chiefs, but it still is prime time at home. Fans booing. Zach Wilson could throw some ugly interceptions. And then we're right back to to where we are right now, where they're 2-2 and and season's over. Zach Wilson's terrible. And then on the flip side, they could lose this game, which would be horrible and a bunch of boos, and it would feel discouraging that they can't beat the Pats. And then let's say they beat the the Chiefs on Sunday night football the next week. Super Bowl is back on. So it's just like – it feels like very important, and I don't want to like downplay the importance of this game, but it's a long season. It's a very long season. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I guess just it's just funny to think about like this is the equivalent of the Bengals game last year, and then they they came back. Zach came back, and they went on that whole run. So week three is not going to make or break your team, but I can't shake the feeling that this is a massive game for for Zach Wilson's confidence and this team's confidence as a whole in terms of like their ability to compete for a playoff spot without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and I mean, you even look at last year's first Patriots game. That was considered such a big game. I mean, I even flew, <laughs> flew up and back in the same day to go see it because it was such a big game. And I was hyped about the addition of James Robinson that <laughs> got my confidence up. But um, yeah, like they lost that game, and then we all assumed it was such a big game because oh, you got the Bills the next week. You're probably going to lose that. They're six and one, so you got to win this to get into the bye. Six and uh, six and three, and if you lose this, you're probably five and four. But then they go beat the Bills the next week, and yeah. again, like you said, Super Bowl's back on. It's exactly what it felt like. So, like, yeah, we don't want to downplay the importance of this because come on, you got to beat the Pats at some point. You got to beat this Pats team of all Pats teams. But with that being said, it's 17 games for a reason, and crazy things happen in the league. So. Season's not over if they lose, but with that being said, let's go get yeah, this let's win. Beat the Pats. Come on, come on, now. let's beat the Pats. Um, let's start with where do you want to start? I guess the offense. That's that's really what it's going to come down to. It kind of feels like because I do feel like the defense is going to have a bounce back. We'll get into them in a minute, but Zach Wilson versus Bill Belichick. He's tormented him through his four starts against him. I mean, really three and a half. He got injured in that first game. Uh, or that second game is rookie year. Um, 
that's really what it's going to come down to. And as I said earlier in this podcast, as ugly as things were last year, I do feel like if the Jets had Beckton, AVT, Brees Hall, and the way that Record's been playing, I'm throwing him in there because Sala shouted him out, and so I feel like Record is moving into tight end two territory. And the way that he blocked week one has me excited about his contributions in this game. But those four guys right there, I feel like the Jets would have beaten the Pats last year. Now it'll be a completely different game. We'll see what the weather's like. You know, the Pats, uh, would you say the Pats are better than they were last year? I, I mean, they're 0-2, but I feel like, they, I feel like they, they're they better. Uh, Christian Gonzalez is a big I, upgrade. I don't, I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think they're better. I think they are because they don't. They have an actual offensive coordinator now. They're zero and two, and they but they lost to two good teams. They have an actual OC now. Christian Gonzalez seems like he's a pretty good corner. They brought in Gasecki. They brought in Juju. I mean, I don't think they're a good team. I still think the Jets are better on paper, but I think this is a slightly better Patriots team. But I think you're hoping that with the Jets getting all these guys back, that this is a much better Jets team as well. Um, the key is obviously going to be run, running the football. Whether or not – that sounds like – I mean, like, the actual weather. Whether or not the weather sucks <laughs> – sorry, I don't know why that was awkward to spit <laughs> out. Um, the Jets need to be able to run the football in this game. This is this is the game where I do think you unleash Brees a little bit. I know it's 11 months and a bit after that ACL surgery, but you need him in this game. That He wasn't there the, either of those two games last year, and I think he really makes all the difference uh, in this one. Even if this is an ugly, low-scoring affair, bet the under for sure – I think Brees Hall is is the I, not to give it away too early. We've been doing the Jets X factor for each game to be corny. Brees Hall is the X factor of this game, one hundred percent. He's the guy that I think Hackett feels bad about not getting the ball to enough last week, and he is the key to winning this game. So I think throwing it and running to Brees Hall is 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 the way to win this game. Uh, what are some of your your matchups you're looking at? Offensive keys. Let's stick with the offense and Zach Wilson. How do the Jets? you know, finally put together a somewhat competent offensive performance against the, the, the New England Patriots. Well, I, I agree for sure that Brees in the run game are going to be huge, but I also feel like because of how clearly obvious that is because of this whole situation, you know, first of all, just without considering the weather, the way that Zach Wilson has produced so far, the respect that teams have for him, the way that the Patriots usually play him, and, you know, the Jets' inability to just overall move the ball through the air so far this year, and how good Brees Hall is, all those things, you want to stop the run as it is and stack the box against the Jets, but then you throw in the weather. Like, it really feels like the Patriots are going to, like, I think we could see a 2019 Monday Night Football type of game plan against this Jets offense. With all these factors, why wouldn't you just go all out to stop the run and say, hey, Zach Wilson, go beat us through the air. We don't think you can do it. So as important as I think the run game is, I think even in this weather, the Jets are going to have to complete some passes to demand some respect for that run game, at least a couple early, throw on first down, call play action on first down to back them off. And like again, even though it's in the rain, you got to just hit something to back them off because I don't think you're going to be able to ground and pound your way to victory if you know the box is too stacked for you to be able to do that. So uh, I, I agree the run game is important, but at the same time, I don't think you could just say, ignore the pass, run right the whole game, you're going to win. Like, you Why gotta, not? <laughs> it's still got to be complimentary. <laughs> I, hey, they ran twice. Maybe, maybe you can. They ran twice we on have, Sunday. We haven't tr- tried enough. Yeah, they did it twice last week, six yards in each carry. So at that rate, and it'll no take record. you, what, like 
12 plays, 12 plays to get down the field. Yeah. 13 plays. Exactly. So. No, I mean, that. and people kind of forget because that second Pats game was so ugly, and then the second half of the first Pats game was so ugly. But the first half of the first Pats game was arguably the best Zach Wilson looked all season that year. He was playing confidently. He he had those he had two touchdown passes, right? Or he had the one came later. Sorry, he had one, one in the first. Sorry, but first he had the half. he had the deep ball to Garrett Wilson. He had the touchdown strike yeah. to cut Tyler Conklin. They were moving the ball. He was throwing it confidently. The wheels came off at the end of the first half, I think, and then carrying on to the second half. But, you know, I actually think that Zach Wilson is better when he faces man-heavy teams. But the thing with Bill Belichick is he's good at confusing young quarterbacks. He moves those safeties around a ton. He'll throw in some zero uh, blitz packages. You know, guys are constantly moving around. And then, yeah, he plays heavy man, but then he'll switch into that cover three or he'll switch into a cover two. And... I think Devin McCourty had a, had a quote this week that was kind of like, you know, the, the Pats game plan to, to beating Zach Wilson last year, or beating the Jets last year was just be patient. This QB is going to give you the game. He's going to throw the game away. And and Zach Wilson did both those games last year. I think both games you could say Zach Wilson lost this Jets team. And so I think I agree with you. Jets need to throw on first down. They need to try to get the ball to Garrett Wilson and to not be too predictable. But the Jets can win an ugly an ugly bar fight with the Patriots, just defensively in the rain, running the ball, because I feel very good about this Jets defense having a bounce back performance against the, against the Pats offense. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, is there anything in the trenches that you're, you're keeping an eye on any, any matchups in particular or anything on, on the boundary, just in terms of particular matchups? I mean, one to me, not in the trenches, but just cause we're talking offense that Garrett Wilson, Christian Gonzalez matchup is going to be awesome to watch. Cause I think Gonzalez is a really good young corner, um, and I think I'm curious to see how much the Patriots will trust him against Garrett Wilson when they go to man coverage, because, you know, back in the day, we'll see how much Belichick does this, um, you know, in 2023, but he really prioritizes taking away your best, your best receiver. And I think he's definitely going to key in on Garrett Wilson. We'll see if he doubles Garrett Wilson back in the day. He used to take his number two corner and the safety and would double the number one receiver. And then he put his best corner, like a Christian Gonzalez on, on his on the second receiver, like an Alan Lazard or Hardman or whoever else plays, um, but I'm very curious to see how they how they kind of handle Garrett Wilson since it's clear that it's very clear that he's the best offensive player the Jets have, best receiver the Jets have, and the only guy that I think Zach Wilson is, you know, one of the things I was kind of encouraged about was it seems like he started to develop that chemistry with him, but the only guy that Zach Wilson clearly trusts and is starting to get the the sense of all right if I have any sort of one on one I need to throw seventeen, um, so. What do you think about that Garrett Wilson, Christian Gonzalez matchup? And what are some of the other ones that, that stand out to you? Yeah, well, I'm interested to see how they play Garrett. Like, are they going to, because if they do use the game plan that I was kind of laying out, like, let's just go all out, stack the box, maybe even do some cover zero Sam Darnold style, then I think you will see some one on ones with Wilson and Christian Gonzalez, which in that situation, you know, I think. You know, Gonzalez is a great prospect who I think will be very good in the league. But for now, at this stage, I think you trust Garrett Wilson can win those matchups. And that's where Zach Wilson has to come through and trust Garrett to make those plays. And I think that's one of the promising things about the Cowboys game is that, and even even the Bills game you can throw in, is we're seeing Zach, you know, trust Garrett Wilson with plays like that in one-on-one situations, whether it was a touchdown against Buffalo, even before that, the... Uh, it wasn't a man play, but the third down throw he made before that, where he trusts him to make a tough throw or a tough catch. Uh, and then this past, past game, you know, there was the touchdown, obviously, 
but then there's the back shoulder later. Like, how many back shoulder throws have we seen Zach Wilson make in his career? Not a lot. So to see him attempt that and make a good throw was promising. So if they go with that aggressive game plan against the Jets offense, they're going to have one-on-ones, and Zach needs to trust Garrett and make some of those confident throws that we've seen him make. But they could also go with something different and try to bracket bracket him to make Zach Wilson beat other people. Because if you think back to the first Patriots game, when Zach had the four interceptions in his home debut, like we were expecting the Patriots to do what I'm talking about and like be super aggressive, go down the Sam Darnold route, but they didn't. And that was kind of the story of that game. Like they were actually really conservative and that's how they pulled off a lot of, a lot of those interceptions, just creating more traffic in the back end. And Zach Wilson just kept throwing into it. So, and I think that's, that's one of the things that, what I, that Zach's yeah. improved on, though, is I think, I mean, it's two games, but I think Hackett has really kind of drilled into him this this summer of like taking the check down, taking what's available. Yeah. I think Hackett's yeah. offense does a better job than the floors of having those check downs. But I've seen Zach go underneath to a fault at, at some times. Um, but you know, early in his career, he was always looking to push the ball downfield. It's the Jets, it's, the, you know, it's the Jets' philosophy on defense, especially when they play Josh Allen, is they play that, that, that shell defense and they, they make you take the boring underneath stuff and make you earn your way all the way down the field. And eventually, you know, Josh Allen gets impatient. He throws an interception. That's how the Pats played. Like you said, that's a great point. That's how the, that's how the Pats played Zach Wilson last year. So they were just waiting for him to make the mistake, knowing that he was going to take the underneath stuff. And I think that's a little different um, this year. I do think he will, you know, particularly if the weather's bad, look for the underneath stuff a lot early. And then we'll see how the, the, how the Pats adjust. Um, do you think that Zach needs to use his legs a lot? Because we kind of saw that um, yeah. in, the, in the end of the first half against the Cowboys. And then they had that quote Salah had. It was like, that's his superpower, which is a little corny. But I agree. I mean, we kind of forget that his rookie year, he had the knee injury. What was that, like week six against the Pats? Week five? One of those weeks. Week six. I think, I think it was six. He had the MCL sprain, and he was out for like a month, and then he came back. And he had to get a brace on when he came back. And then last year, first preseason game, he tears his meniscus. Um, so he's had back-to-back knee injuries his first two years. He's an exceptionally mobile quarterback. And not that he didn't show that in his first two years, but I think early on in his rookie year, if you remember, he was hesitant to take off and run. He was kind of, he was, It was infuriating. He'd have some open grass, and instead he'd try to force the ball downfield. And then he got injured by the time he started to take the, those runs. And then last year, had the meniscus. He ran a little bit. But I think you really saw it in the preseason game against the Bucs, and then you saw it in that two-minute drill against the Cowboys that he's one of the fastest players in the field. He's one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league. Like, look, he's no Lamar Jackson, no Jalen Hurts. He's probably more in that Daniel Jones territory, but although I do think he's a little bit more athletic, I don't know about straight line speed, but close. He's in that he's in that category of a guy who's, who's fast. He's an athlete. I mean, go watch his BYU highlights, and that's in fact – what kind of got him going in college was he was a running quarterback and then he got more comfortable and started to air it out a little bit more and turned into a little bit more of a, of a playmaker with his arms. But if a team is playing a lot of man coverage, like the Pats, you, you saw it in both those Pats games you were watching, there's lanes for him to run, especially with Matthew Don coming down. You know, we'll see how Dwayne Brown matches up with him. That's another matchup to, to pay attention to, but I really want to see Zach use his legs in this matchup, especially in the rain. It's like he's healthy. He's fast. I know he's got to protect himself with those hits, but Zach Wilson's one of those guys that can get you 40 rushing yards every game, I feel. 
Yeah, and especially against man coverage teams, when they turn their, their backs to you, you're going to have opportunities to run, and that's that's what we saw him do at the end of the second quarter against Dallas. It was, I think, three plays in a row he saw man coverage and just took it and ran. And he's able to do that because of one of his most important developments in that game, which was stepping up in the pocket instead of out. That's something that we've always wanted him to do and he struggled with. But like we even were looking at some plays from that second Pats game, the film from that game last year, and there were in instances like that where pressure came and if he stepped up and like went through the A gap between McGovern and the guard, there was space there for him to get a nice chunk of yardage, but instead he goes outward and yeah, he dodges the rusher eventually eventually makes a miss, but at that point you're just going laterally, trapping yourself against the sideline. Not a whole lot you can do. But if he starts going up in the pocket, not only will he create more throws for himself yeah. and allow himself access to the whole field, because that's another thing that about scrambling. Right. That Mims touchdown against the Pats last year, he easily could have had. Now Denzel Mims is never going to score an NFL touchdown, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, when you step up in the pocket, you can access the whole field. All the routes are still available. Um, and then when you scramble like towards the sideline, then all the routes on the other side of the field can't use anymore. So it's not only that, but it also is more favorable for scrambling opportunities. Like that's why Daniel Jones is such a good scrambler because like he never goes outward. It's only up with him, which, you know, I don't think he can do because he doesn't have sacks athleticism, but it also has been more positive for him to play this way because like he's going vertically. He's not wasting motion right. and moving going in circles. It's just, yeah, like the, the scrambles there, I'm just going to go straight, take my six yards and not waste any time. And I think Zach can do that, like you said, and potentially do even more with it because like the runs we've seen against Jacksonville in this rookie year uh, against Tampa Bay in the preseason this year, like he has the elusiveness to make people miss and break off 30, 40 yard runs. He's done it multiple times. So he has that ability, but you just got to get downhill more often instead of like running around. And that's what he did against Dallas and against another man heavy team this week. He's going to have more opportunities to do that. So definitely want to see him use those legs this week. Yeah. And you know, as much as we want to make the storyline and of course the media storylines will all be about Zach Wilson against Bill Belichick. They've had his number to me. It just, it all comes down to the run game. You know, you look back at that second Pats game and it's like, you're running with James Robinson behind Cedric Ogwehi, Dan Feeney, and C.J. Uzama. Like, there's major upgrades for the Jets' running game, and it's going to come down to this Jets' offensive line and, and Brees If Hall. they go right, which they just refused to do last week. I know, you know. But even if they go left, I mean, get Ruckert out there. And, you know, I supposedly Lakin is supposed to be good against the run. But, you know. Do you see that? You see those ESPN pass and run block win rates that Samini posted? I didn't. I'll, was there I'll something surprising there surprise, on it? I feel like oh, I don't want to misquote it, but um, I'll I'll give you a topic and I'll find it. Um, but I feel like I, Tomlinson was like way too high in my opinion. I'll, I'll find it. But um, do you think it was kind of surprising that they haven't had before we get to the defense that they didn't move the pocket as much against Dallas? And do you think that's something that they will try to do? Because we're talking about his athleticism. It's like he had the the pick on the run against the Cowboys. He's had a few of those picks where he's rolling right and then he makes a boneheaded decision. But at the same time, when you're going up against a premier pass rusher like Parsons, and then Judon is not maybe in that level, but he's maybe the next tier down. He's a damn good pass rusher, and he's dominated the Jets. 
Like, do you feel like, hey, you have an athletic quarterback, roll him out, give him some of those moving pockets. Um, is that is that a key for you, or is that something where it's like you're just asking Zach Wilson to make make a mistake? It's something I think you can include, but I think his career has shown us that maybe it's not something that should be as much of a fixture for him as you would think because he hasn't made the greatest decisions on them or in his accuracies kind of not been great with those, but you know, maybe at this point of his career with some of the accuracy improvements he's shown, maybe he can be more accurate. And with his increased willingness to take check downs, he could be more willing to take some of those shorter routes instead of forcing downfield. So I think this version of Zach Wilson might be more fit for that. And it's a great weapon against, you know, teams like the Cowboys where, you know, you get into the game and you're like, we can't block this guy. You need to have answers to create throws in, in spite of that. And, you know, bootlegs and rollouts can be an answer. So it, it's something they could have pulled out, pulled out last week. All right. Um, I, I sent you the pass block or in the, the Jets blocking win rates. I just thought this was interesting. Lake and Tomlinson, they have for run blocking, they have him ranked second in the NFL. With an 86.1% no. <laughs> run block win rate. Isn't that crazy? Like, where did that stat come from? I, I sent it to your DM so you can see the whole yeah, AVT is 59th. Yeah, so they have – so for pass block win rates, here's the Jets starting on offensive line. Here's the – I'll just give you the rank. Uh, Dwayne Brown, 68th. Lincoln Tomlinson, 66th. Connor McGovern, 32nd. Elijah Vera Tucker, 36th. And Mekhi Becton, 63rd. And then in the run blocking, where they've been a lot better – uh, 38 for Dwayne Brown, second for Lake and Tomlinson, ninth for Connor McGovern, 59th for Elijah Vera Tucker, and 48 for for Mackay Becton. Are those just? Did they just pull those numbers out of a hat? Elijah Vera Tucker is their worst run blocker. Yeah, Becton and Vera Tucker doesn't worst line up at all. It's crazy. With, with what we've seen, AVT had a great first game against the run. Lincoln Thompson's been pretty bad in both games. Maybe it's percentile. I don't know. Like, like those those numbers are really sketchy because it's like based on tracking and stuff. So instead of someone watching it and kind of designating it, it's just based on like basically dots on a screen yeah. and like where do they move and like what is their leverage versus the other player. So I think it like I don't reference them a lot. You can't even access them, which is another thing. So like they just put out what they want want you to know. So. Yeah, I think these are one of the sketchier metrics out there that I don't really look at. Especially you see stuff like this, like how can you take it seriously? Because <laughs> like we watch the games, like that that's not true. It's just flat out not. Let's talk about the defense. Uh let's do it. Bat, I kind of feel like there's two ways to look at this. I'll look at I'll take the glass half full. Playing eighty nine plays against the Cowboys, I think that's actually gonna help them. The glass half empty is like it's a lot of plays, a lot of run to put on your defense. Early in the season, you can tire them out. But glass half full, it's like, all right, they have an early bye. And in training camp, you don't get as many live reps. The tackling clearly wasn't there. I feel like in the long run, it's going to help them that they play that much against a great offense early in the season. They have a you know they have a whole week. I'm sure Saul is pretty light on practice on Wednesday. Maybe he went a little harder today. But this game against the Patriots, coming off of Daniel playing 90 plays, I think this defense was uncharacteristic in their missed tackles and their pressure rate last week. Pats are obviously going to attack underneath, but I think this Jets defense is, is fine-tuned after last week uh, for, for a bounce back. Do you agree with me, or am I just being the uh, rosy-colored glasses fan? No, oh, I, I think so. I mean, we saw last year they match up well against this Patriots team, 
and the season opener against Buffalo showed that they can carry over some of the things they did last year because we know they match up well against the Bills and in the season opener, all the things that happened last year translated to that first game. So Pats, I think the same thing can happen, um, especially considering the weather. I think that plays in the favor of the Jets defense. But um, yeah, I think the biggest key in this game is shutting down that underneath passing game of the Patriots because that's always been their bread and butter. And it was only more so the case in the two games they played against the Jets last year because Mac Jones had his two lowest average depth of target rates in those two Jets games last year, only about 4.6 yards in those two games. So his average pass wasn't even going five yards down the field against the Jets. In all other games, he's at about nine yards. So like Mac Jones would air the ball out in a lot of his games last year, but against the Jets, what we saw was a big-time dink and dunk passing attack, which worked great for the Jets, but I think if you want to force takeaways and you know win that turnover battle, put Zach Wilson in good spots in terms of field position, you're going to want to force Mac Jones to challenge you downfield, throw to his wide receivers against the Jets' corners, which is a, a big pro-Jets mismatch. Uh, and to do that, you got to be able to show, we're going to shut down your screen game and your dump-off game. You have to throw downfield if you want to move the ball. Because last year, the, the Pats did have a lot of success with those dump-offs. Even though the Jets held them low on the scoreboard in the end, uh, the Patriots still were really successful when it came to throwing to the Titans and running back. So if the Jets can shut that down, tackle well underneath, communicate, don't allow communication breakdowns, uh, and just have discipline against the screens and dump-offs and things like that, and linebackers and safeties will be huge in this. If they can do that, then they could force Mac Jones to take some chances, and I think they'll get some interceptions like they did in the first half of last year when they basically got two, if you include the one that was wiped out. Uh, so, so they can do it. They can get some turnovers if they that. force them to throw downfield. You just got to take away that underneath game. Yeah, I mean, that's key for linebackers and safeties. We'll see about Tony Adams. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I feel good about him playing in this one, but Amos in, in Whitehead manning up with the, those two tight ends and Hunter Henry and Gasecki. I definitely think that's if they do pass. And look, they're going to, I mean, they're definitely going to pass, but. Definitely going to prioritize the run game with with Ramondre Stevenson if if this weather is poor. But although don't don't forget that Bills game from like a couple years ago when when they throw two passes the whole game. That is true. So maybe we can get that. But I feel like they will try to pass, uh, and if they do, they're going to target those tight ends and running backs like the Patriots always do. The Jets do finally have a linebacker who can cover a halfback wheel, which has been an issue um, in years past. Uh, so Quincy Williams is, is another big player um, for this one. Future Patriots C.J. Mosley. Always gets the love from Bill Belichick. Doesn't he just strike you as a guy who's going to be a Patriot once he's done with yeah. the Jets? Yeah, he's on the Patriots. He's already on the Patriots <laughs> in 25, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you laid it out perfectly. We know what this Pat's defense is going to – or Pat's offense is going to want to do. Sauce Gardner had that quote, which some people are trying to take it as shade, but it's not. It's like this Pat's offense is very simple. They just try to make you uh, – they try to get you to make a mistake. They're going to go underneath um, to these tight ends and, and these running backs – We'll see how much they they try the the Jets corners with with Kendrick Bourne and with Devonte uh, Parker and and Juju Smith Schuster. I almost said Devonte Adams. Thank God. Um, but I really anticipate this being a twelve personnel heavy uh, game for the Pats and a lot of runs and then targeting Gasecki and, and Hunter uh, Henry. I think the big matchup I'm really looking forward to is Calvin Anderson versus John Franklin Myers. I think that's kind of the weak spot 
of this of this Patriots offensive line. This is not the Patriots offensive line of, of old. They have been allowing a lot of pressure on Mac Jones, and so I think this is a good opportunity for this defensive line to bounce back. We'll see about Will McDonald, see if Carl Lawson can bounce back. I have no doubt in Quentin Williams, but I think this is the matchup for JFM, who's had a nice start to the season. Uh, you know, not, not that he's that's a surprise or anything, but he's been very good these first two games. That rough in the passer penalty was bullshit, and the NFL admitted it. And he had one last year against this team that I also think was bullshit. I don't think the NFL ever admitted that one, though. Um, probably less egregious than than the the one against Dallas. But I think that matchup against Calvin Anderson bodes very well for for JFM and and the Jets being able to win with four. We saw last week, Michael, that they they blitzed early against the Cowboys. They kind of got out of their four man look and. They were struggling to create pressure with four, but do you think that they should? Do you think they're going to go back to that that strategy, or do you think they're going to go back to their win with four? Maybe run a few more stunts than they did last week, but you know, trust the big boys up front, uh, you know, to 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 beat this this Patso line that is not the same as as the Patso lines of old. I, I mean, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but I feel like they really didn't blitz against the Pats last year, and it worked for them because like their pass rush was outstanding in those two games against the Patriots. I mean, would they have like 11 sacks across the <laughs> yeah. two games? Yeah, no, it's, Something like that? Yes. Uh, yeah. The, so they really got that. after him. I mean, they, they were attacking the, the hell out of him. So I think they don't – I don't feel like they need a blitz. And then in addition to that, the offensive line probably isn't as good as it was last year. I mean, like Calvin Anderson starting, who's mostly been a backup. He's at right tackle. He'll be going, going up against JFM. Could see some Huff, some JJ. Like that's a favorable matchup. So, yeah, I I don't I don't feel like they will unless they really think that you know loading the box a little bit more can help them stop the run and maybe get some blitzes off of that. Maybe they do some three safety looks and we'll see if Tony Adams plays because if he does, then it's a lot easier with Amos being your third safety versus Ashton Davis. But uh, even if Adams doesn't play. Maybe you see some three safety looks because you know the Pats like to load up on twelve personnel. They got those two tight ends with Gasicki and Hunter Henry. So you had a third safety in there. Now you have a player who could not only match up against tight ends, but you could also drop him into the box as sort of like a third linebacker, and he could help you against the run. So maybe we see some of that as well. All right, let's get into the. Uh, what do you want to do? I guess we'll do where the Jets are better. Um, I don't have it. I don't have it up from last year, but we'll just start. Where are the Jets better? We'll go through each position group. We've been doing this for for two years now. Quarterback, I think. I think you have to give it to the Patriots until proven. Until proven otherwise, I think the Pats probably have the the edge in this yeah. matchup. Uh, running back, Brees Hall versus Ramondre Stevenson. I think I would definitely go with the Jets here. Although the Pats have a nice nice running back. Stevenson's really underrated. I think. I mean, anybody who actually does yeah, football, maybe sure. not underrated, but in terms of he doesn't get talked about as, as one of the better running backs in the league, but I think he's I think he's up there. But I would give the Jets this. Uh, I think Brees Hall is going to get a lot more run in this one. Receiver. Um, I don't want to just – Jets because yeah, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. I didn't want to just run the whole thing, but, yeah, I feel pretty confident about that. Tight end, this is, a, this is an interesting one because I look at it as Tyler Conklin and Jeremy Ruckert. Conklin, great receiver, and a, a, honestly, Conklin's a great blocker, and he doesn't get enough credit for that. Yeah. And Jeremy Rucker, great blocker. We'll see how he develops as a receiver, but the Pats do have some two great tight ends, and Hunter Henry and, and Mike Kosecki. I, I would give it to the Pats here yeah. just because you know both those guys are solid receiving threats. Yeah. We love Rucker, but still got to see more. 
Offensive so, Jets tackle. only really have one good, one proven tight end. Offensive tackle. We got Trent Brown and Calvin Anderson versus Dwayne Brown and Makai Becton. I'll put it this way. I think Becton is – ah, well, Trent Brown's all right. I was going to say I think Becton's the best tackle of this entire bunch. I mean, Trent Brown's probably like a proven Makai yeah. Becton. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he is. So, he's probably is Makai Becton. Brown's as bad as it gets right now. So you got to give it to the Pats, which is – which is rough for the Jets because I think a lot of teams you take their tackles over yeah. the Pats. Uh, guard inside, you got Vera Tucker and Tomlinson. Actually, we're doing the entire interior offensive line. So you got Tucker, Tomlinson, and McGovern versus Cole Strange, David Andrews, and Mike Onwenu. Uh, I mean, Andrews is a solid veteran. Onwenu is a pretty good player. He's kind of like their AVT. He's played a lot of different positions for them. And he usually is considered one of their better players. Cole Strange was a first-round pick, obviously. He got that first down, though, on Sunday. So I think that's got to mark him down for He that. didn't. But he did have more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook. Or close to it. Or just total yards. However Jesus. it's counted. Um, <laughs> Jets have Lake and I'll Tom, go Pats so, here. So, Pats, yeah. All right. Uh, defensive tackle, Jets. Don't think this one's close. Although the Pats do have a, a nice defensive line. All these defensive lines in the AFC East are, are pretty solid, but I think the Jets win the interior here. Um, yeah. Edge, you got Judon. I guess we'll throw Wise in there as well. Um, so Dietrich Wise and Judon versus JFM, Jermaine Johnson, Carl Lawson, Will McDonald. Certainly don't have the depth the Jets do, but is Judon the best player out of all those? Probably. Probably. This is a tough one because Judon's probably the best player of the okay, bunch. Okay, which one would you Jets take, though? I would a lot more depth. I would take the Jets' room, though, over Judon and Dietrich Wise and Sam Roberts. Uh, push. This is, this is a push. Uh, you don't think the Jets' edge is better than. All right. I mean, Josh Uchi is a really good player, too. Like, situational pass rusher. Right. We have Bryce Huff. Didn't even throw it. kind of matches. I, I would give this to the Jets, but I'll go. I'll go. We'll put it in the push category. Cornerback. This one's. I mean, come on. We gotta give this one to the Jets. Although the Pats are pretty solid at corner with with Gonzalez and Mills and Jonathan Jones too. Come on, it's not close. Don't don't give me that look. Oh wait, are, yeah. Okay, Jets okay, for corner. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know to discuss it. All right, safety. Last or two more safety. I was, I was studying the safety depth chart. Is getting ready for that discussion. Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers uh, versus Jordan Whitehead and Tony Adams slash Adrian Amos, depending on who plays. Uh, I, I just don't feel like I know enough about the Pat safeties. I feel like sometimes we look at these and just judge it based on do we know the name. We did watch some Pat's film um, though. Come on, we saw Jabril Peppers was a tackle. I mean, Duggar Duggar's been a good solid like box guy against the Jets. I remember. Hey, you know, you know um, who leads the NFL in interceptions, though. Jordan White. Yeah. Head. So, all right, fine. We can. Do you want to go Pats here? Maybe push. Push. All right. Special teams. Two decent groups, I think. Special teams. This is really Justin Hardy versus. Oh, Matthew you know Slater. the Pats. Pats special teams always solid. That block, um, that that blocked kick that they drew up last week was might just give them that on its own. That was nice. I don't know. Belichick um, shouted out the Jets special teams though, so clearly he's a fan of, of Brandt. Push. I think both are really good. All right. Well, this has it at dead even, Michael. We have four for the Jets, running back, receiver, defensive tackle, and corner. Four for the Patriots, quarterback, tight end, and the entire offensive line. 
and then push at edge safety and special teams. So very even matchup right here between the Jets and Pats, but pretty even more even than I expected coming in. But yeah, I mean, the quarterback thing changes a lot. Yeah. Although, you know, we gave him the offensive line, but it's not like this Pat's offensive line is good. I think it's just the Jets all line has been. The Jets are capable of being better. It's just the way they've played so far. You can't, can't give right. them, give them the advantage. And tight end was very close. We gave it to the Pats, but quarterback is, is really the, the big difference maker. But yeah, I mean, I, I would have given the Jets edge. I, I don't think I would take the, the Pats edge over the, over the Jets. I mean, I know they have Judon, but it's just like the depth that the Jets have between McDonald and, and Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff. JFM, Carl Lawson. Come on. All right. I guess we're trying to be fair and balanced. All right, Michael, who's your X Factor? I already gave mine, Brees. I know it's boring. It's like very obvious, but you have uh, who's who's your X Factor this week? Last week you had Jeremy Ruckert. May have been an X Factor. I almost feel like I want to do that again. Because it seems like yeah, you're going to play more. I feel like it should be like a survivor pool. Like you can't reuse a, an X Factor you've already used. Maybe that makes no sense, but I feel like I kind of want you to go somewhere else. No, it does make sense, but I, I want to mention him. I, I won't choose him. But Can I just say? like, Yeah. My two X factors, so maybe I shouldn't choose Brees. For week one was Dwayne Brown, and for week two is Quincy Williams. So both my X factors have had bad games. So maybe I shouldn't choose Brees. Although, choose a Patriots player. Yeah, my X factor is Mac Jones. <laughs> All right, Michael, who's yours? All right. Well, I was going to say quickly in record, like I do think he's big in this game because, like I said, if it's going to be crowded down there, you're going to have safeties and linebackers creeping up. That's where the tight ends come in. You got to be able to make those second level blocks. And he's been awesome at those so far. So I think he could be the difference between whether you can get chunk gains or maybe hit some home runs that turn the tide in a bad weather game. So I'm not going to going to choose him because like you said, survivor pool here. Let's pick someone different. But uh, X Factor here, I'm going to go with Bill Belichick's favorite player, CJ Mosley. Really? I think, like I said, yeah, I think stopping that underneath passing game is the biggest key to stopping that Patriots offense. And if the Jets can do that successfully, I think they could force Mac Jones into having to push the ball downfield more. They'll get some turnovers. Even you know through strip sacks by making him hold the ball, which you know he had one less here in that first game that the Jets couldn't come up with. He might have, if I remember correctly, had one in the second game too they couldn't get. But regardless, stop that underneath passing game. You can force turnovers, and that all begins with the linebacker. So need mostly to be on it in this game, not just himself, but getting everyone on the same page. So screen plays don't fool them. They're not scheming people wide open. Um, they're picking up their box correctly and just being in the right place to stop screens all starts with him. So CJ Mosley. All right. Um, let's go one random prediction for each side of the ball. I'll say none of ours hit last week. You had a Jeremy Rucker. Who's your X factor? I already gave it Brees. Oh, okay. I gave it earlier in the episode because like he is to me if I, I mean like, no, it is Brees. Brees is the X factor in this game. He's the biggest difference. I mean, it's the, I could put it on the, the entire offensive line, but if the Jets can't run the ball in this game, their chances of winning don't look as good. I mean, I, I do I do buy into Zach Wilson being better. We'll see how he handles the cold weather. That's certainly an X factor. How does Zach Wilson look in bad, windy, rainy weather? You know, is, have, have his mechanics improved enough to the point where the ball placement is still at an NFL level? <laughs> 
in bad weather because it wasn't just that Pats game last year. It was the Jags game on Thursday Night Football. It was terrible, windy, rainy weather, and he couldn't hit the ocean from the beach. So, you know, uh, I think that's certainly going to affect him. It's just how much with, with the improved mechanics. So they need Breeze. They need they need a nice 140, 150-yard touchdown, two-touchdown Breeze game to win this game. And I think they can get it. I definitely, I think the, I mean, you look at, as I said, it was like last year you had James Robinson rushing behind Dan Feeney, Cedric Ogwehi, welcome back, and CJ Uzama. And this year you're going to have Brees Hall running behind AVT, Becton, and, and Rucker. Not that some of those guys aren't still there and that not that they won't run left, but running right is going to win in this game. So that's the X factor. I'll put it at Brees. Um, your random predictions from last week were a Rucker 10-yard TD catch. And a strip sack from Carl Lawson recovered by Quentin Jefferson. So, not so good. Pretty bad. Mine were not too great either. I had a C.J. Mosley interception, and then I had a Zach Wilson rushing touchdown because I did feel like he was going to open up on the on the ground, but none of ours Which hit. Was correct. None of ours hit though. But no end zone. So thus, I think uh, I think you had you had Gibson having a big return though on, on the first week. So you know, we've, we've hit some of these. Random prediction, Michael. It's here. One for the offense. One for the defense. Offensively, I'm going to say Jeremy Rucker, 10-yard touchdown. <laughs> Again? Again. And Carl Lawson strip sack recovered by Quinn That Jackson. one I'm not going with. Okay. But I will go with – I'm going to stick with my X factor here. I'm going to say C.J. Mosley interception. I'm going to steal yours. Copying mine from last week. Okay, cool. Copying mine from last week and yours. Nice. Real original. I'm going to go um, – Brees Hall screen pass touchdown. I'm not going to specify the yards. Brees Hall screen for a TD. And I'm going to go. I definitely think JFM is going to have a big game. I think they're going to force a fumble on Mac Jones. Actually, I'm going to change mine to three yard record touchdown. Okay, three yard TD pass for record. They're going to force a fumble on Mac Jones. I'm trying to predict who. I'm going to go JFM force fumble. That's what I'm going with. I think I was kind of contemplating Jermaine Johnson in there, but I'm going to go JFM. All right, Michael, time for a score prediction. Let's hear it. Um, I predicted the Jets last week. I take. I shouldn't have done that. I, I didn't feel confident. But I was just trying to to will a victory. So you are. I think you're. Did you predict the Jets week one too? I did. So you're two and zero. I'm one and one. I should mark that down. Who are you going with? And what's the my twenty three ten last week? Wasn't too bad. Yeah, only one touchdown off. Pretty close. Um, I think the Jets are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a gritty type of win. I'm going to say Jets 14, Patriots 10. 14, 10, Jets. Damn, that was actually no, not even kidding. That was my prediction. 14, 10, <laughs> Jets. I'm not kidding. But I'll go. You're going to change it or just stick with it? Twenty to ten. Jets. Before I knew about before I knew about the weather, I was going to say something like 27, 24, but I think that is a significant effect. So I have it being a grittier game, but I I do think the Jets are going to win this one. Yeah, twenty to ten Jets. Although if they can't kick a field goal, I think I I like the fourteen ten prediction. I like the idea that, but whatever, we're going to go twenty to ten. All right, Michael, that's it for us. Follow us at Pod on Twitter, Michael Michael underscore Nania, myself Ben W Blessington. Go to jetsxfactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, helps out the pot a ton. And if you can't subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube, we post post all the podcasts there. Check out the other Jets X Factor podcasts. 
I think that's it, Michael. Last thoughts. So white on black returns this week. Uh, is that did they announce that, or is that just in a graphic? Not officially, but the graphic they put out where both the guys were in white on black kind of so. makes you feel like they're going to do white on black at home. I don't know if I. I mean, hey, if it's a torrential downpour, I think it could look kind of kind of cool. White on black at home isn't like a September. I don't know. But they went two and zero in it last year at home, and both in the division, Miami and Buffalo. So they got to complete the trifecta. Yeah, I, I was expecting white and white. I would have predicted white and white, but you know, I guess torrential downpour. I'll take the white and black. They've had good luck in it. All right, I guess that's it. Any other last thoughts? That's it. That's it. All right, thank you everybody for having for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game if you're going. Uh, I hope for good weather because man, it really sucks to sit. I mean, I, what do you think about football games in the rain, huh? We've had like that Ravens opener. Watching or going to going a- to a game in the rain, like the Ravens game, kind of sucked sitting. That's down the only the really rainy game I think I've been to. I think so. it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be, but I mean, as long as you poncho up, you should be in good shape. The only the, the only thing that really annoys me about it is that it gets really hard to use your phone. That's kind of the only thing that bothers me. But other than that, I mean, I could, I kind of like the gritty feel of it. So like right. everyone's dialed in. Do you think it helps the like Jets or the Pats more? Old school. I got to be honest. I think it favors the Pats because, like, you look at the way that they played the Jets last year, short passing. They had a solid run game at, at, at times, more so in the first game, I think. Uh, then you look at the Jets, and, you know, Zach Wilson's had more issues with turnovers. Uh, I do think it favors the Pats based on what we saw last year. But if the Jets can run block well, establish that run game, like you said, they they have three run blockers they did not have last year, an AVT, Becton, and Ruckert, plus Brees Hall. They should be able to run the ball a lot better. So if they can make that improvement, then I think it shifts towards the Jets. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Have a great weekend. Go Jets.